You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 93. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. You did that though. That's not what you were. No. Do it again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So this time I was recording. I don't know. Like, is that from Sesame Street? Is that from Sesame Street? Yeah. It's the like the schoolhouse rock kind of stuff. Oh my gosh! Nobody has TV anymore. Is is she? How is she gonna see Sesame Street? Why does she need to see Sesame Street? Oh my god! Do you have something against Sesame Street? Uh, Not particularly. Like you do with SpongeBob. I've already, I've already agreed to not letting her watch SpongeBob. I have issues with SpongeBob because it's so stupid. It's not educational at all. It's not, but it's funny. But it's not funny. It's funny for me when I'm, when I was older. <laughs> I watched it in like my twenties, my early twenties. Well, she's not in her early twenties, Amanda. Yeah. So. But we can watch like Disney movies with her and stuff. Oh, so many Disney movies. And we're singing because we'll laugh at like the adult jokes and stuff. Last night we were singing "Poor Unfortunate Souls." From okay, I am clearly like after pregnancy not getting laid pent up because that totally sounded like porn, unfortunate souls. <laughs> which, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> it sounds like that thing somebody posted on our post where they were like, I hope you're like tied to the devil's bed and tortured with the things that used to pleasure you. Yeah. Like, sounds like a good scene. <laughs> sounds. Yeah. Sounds like a scene I've done. I mean, <laughs> no. Not quite to that level. No. But tortured with well, the We can go in like a whole like exorcism. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds fun. I know. Yeah. I was saying that. We can get devil horns from somewhere. I'm sure we have some. I have some. I have some like red clip-on devil horns. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Is that still from like years ago when we went to the party and I had the angel wings? Yes. And you were the... Yes. Nice. I you need to find was... the other one. You lost one. That's right. I lost one. The devil one. with one horn. Uh, yeah. One horn devil. One horn lost. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a person that's in not the Not the horn you're thinking. <laughs> you know, they do make red fieldos. I think the stout is red. The stout. And like, or we could just get a bad dragon and like, you know. Ah. Yeah, I'm sure we could get some kind of freakish looking penis and make it like Well, it's a good excuse for you to get a bad dragon. I know that's kind of been on your list. They're, their toys are amazing. They are amazing. I'm going to have to lock this back. So, yeah. So, folks may have noticed that we've been a little quieter than usual lately, I think. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. We've still been putting some stuff out, but not, and especially the podcast, not so much. Yeah. We've, no. we've still been putting some things out. Uh, folks who, like, follow uh, our group and stuff might might have known what, what went down. Also, we had the previous podcast, so. Yeah, so it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's listened. But uh, we did have the baby. Yes, the um, baby came early. The baby is here. And the baby is here. The baby is actually here. We're having a, a, a 
about uh, we figured what we'd do is because it was you know pretty unique perspective I think given the three of us all involved in the birthing experience and the you know about a weekish long since then and of, of parenting and uh, we thought we'd do is we're not in our like our usual studio setup we've got our little portable recorder and we figured we'd grab some tea or in my case some espresso so I can start talking gradually faster because that's what we need exactly me caffeinated <laughs> me on espresso and uh, we just thought that we'd kind of you know talk some about and, and I guess debrief a little bit the whole baby birthing poly situation because I think uh, you know I think we've normalized it but I think there's actually a lot of pretty cool stuff especially for anybody who may be thinking about having a baby in that type of situation so as Amanda sits here holding the baby yes so yes so where to start I think starting before the actual birth would be good. Like we mentioned on the previous podcast that I had gestational diabetes, and I think picking up from from that point of like doctor's appointments, things like that, sort of where the plan was and how the plan just went out the window as far as scheduling. Have you noticed too that we can literally go a week with no planes and as soon as we sit down to record? Typically, it's not something I'd point out on the podcast, but because we're not using our typical mics, I'm sure it's coming through. It's crazy, man. Everybody's fleeing the uh, the apocalypse. So, go ahead. We mentioned in the previous podcast that I had gestational diabetes. That's really the, the only serious complication with anything. Um, and with that, uh, with gestational diabetes, your baby can get really big. Um, I'm also... Not as young as I could be as a mother. I'm, I'm as your wise. doctor kept pointing out. I'm wise. Right. You're not the same person you were 16 years ago. Yeah, I'm not the same person as I was 16 years ago. No, you have way more penises now. Um, I, I think I'm way more awesomer. Uh, how, obviously, how do you think the doctor would have responded if you would have said that? I have way more penises now. I don't. Think he seemed he pretty stuffy. Yeah. yeah, and he was a Steelers fan. He was a Steelers fan. My baby was born. Delivered by a Steelers let's take, fan. Let's, 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 anyway, I'm going to back that yeah, up. Yeah, let's back it so, up. So going back to that, you know, we, we had our appointment and we were coming up. And it is pretty standard to induce women who have gestational diabetes, make them have their babies earlier so that they're not too big. The doctor was very adamant about wanting to induce me at 39, like as soon as I turned 30, 39 weeks. So her birthday was going to be, if she didn't come earlier, Friday the 13th, which was kind of cool. Um, but, uh, basically the, the conversation was that I was going to, you know, my uterus was going to dry up or whatever. And, uh, you know, something horrible was going to happen. And you wouldn't want to drop the ball after you've come this far. Yeah. Is literally I what the doctor said. I thought the baby was going to get so big. She was going to just alien out of your stomach. Like, ah! That was the other thing. So there, there's a whole bunch of reasons and I'm doing air quotes that we should do this. But basically what the real reason is, is that that's standard. And when I challenged that, the doctor sort of was like, well, most women like the idea of knowing when their babies are going to come and like being able to like plan that out. And like I the was, other woman at your office who scheduled it for St. Patty's Day just so she could have her baby on St. Patty's Day? Yes. Mm. Um, which I can see. I can see the convenience of like scheduling an induction if you have family who are leaving or are maybe visiting from out of the country. Like someone that I know said that she scheduled her induction for when her parents were visiting from another country. Like that makes sense. In my case, I was not overly thrilled with that idea and I was feeling very pressured into that. 
but uh, she ended up coming early anyway. So there we go. We can yeah. pick up from there. Um, I feel like a man should pick up from there. I was asleep. Well, let me tell you, I think we started this all wrong. I would have gone like full fledged into this like a movie would. So like. Boom, 6 a.m. Oh, my God, my water broke. Like, that's where I thought we were going to start. And then backtrack, you know, so we'd have, like, flashbacks throughout the movie. Maybe I don't we should have let her plan this episode. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work in podcast form. Um, People can't, we can't be like, Why not? Going back into the past. Sure we can. Yeah, we can, actually. I think we could. But we've already started this way. Everyone knows that, you know, my plot probably would have been pretty exciting. Like a... Yeah. It's like a like a Tarantino movie. I'm picturing like a script in my mind, like the lights come up, but they're off. <laughs> it's six AM. Way too early for everybody in this house. Like she, she well, she said telling the story wrong. She said six AM in the morning. There is no six AM in the morning. <laughs> that is six AM at night. In my in my reality. So that night I had had a couple times that I woke up. I had a few contractions, but I had been having contractions going up to that point off and on, some Braxton Hicks and such. But I went to the bathroom, went, went to go pee, and I came out, and uh, I was dripping, and I was like, did I not wipe? Like, <laughs> am I that tired? Am I that tired of a pregnant woman that I didn't wipe? And then I was like, no, that is way too much fluid for an accidental not wiping after pee. Then I got Amanda up, and I'll let you take over. Well, I heard you go, oh... Like, two seconds before you said Amanda, you said, oh, and I was up. And then you said, Amanda. And I was like, it's time. <laughs> it is time. And I said, hey, babe. I'm How's trying not going? to pressure you. I know I've been labor pressuring you. I'm really trying not to act too excited. <laughs> and she said, yep, that's my water. My water broke. And I was like, okay. And then she was like, go, um, go see if you can get him up. And I don't know if anybody knows. But the sleeping, uh, sleeping, uh... We have talked about that on here. So I, I... Roger, come out of the closet. <laughs> I'm, so we have, I, so I am a horrible co-sleeper. I have, I kind of, I have kind of struggled with insomnia and I can't. So I'm horrible for both ends of co-sleeping. I'm horrible because I wake up with every little movement and sound. And, and breath. Everything, and breath. And... <laughs> Me breathing and everything else. Uh, and then also because then I get annoyed about it. So I currently, we have this giant walk-in closet. And I actually now have a tiny little bed, like a little twin bed in the closet, which is actually working out. Well, honestly, the baby is working out even better. But it was working out pretty well before. Uh, so, yeah. So I was in the closet there. Go ahead, Amanda. You've just been like, meanwhile, Josh was in the closet. Meanwhile, Josh was in the closet. So I knocked on the door, my little tiny knuckle, rap, rap, rap on the door. And I said, hey, sweetie. And he goes, <clears throat> I said, it's time. He says, time. I said, Cassie's water broke. And he just says, God damn it. <laughs> now, I not, don't even remember that. Not that he wasn't excited. Let us also say he had only had three hours of sleep, and it was now 6 a.m. Yeah, it wasn't great. So, but so he got up. I got up. We finished packing our little bags. 
I was having the problem that I kept trying to put pants on to go to the hospital, but my water broke, so everything kept sinking through my clothing. So I kept coming out, and she was holding pants, just looking around, and I was like, babe, just put the pants on. And she was like, I can't. And then, and then. What what was she doing that we were like, you know you're in labor. Like, are we leaving? What was she doing? I don't remember. I was shaping stuff up in the room. Leave me alone. It made sense the time. <laughs> so, pray like going through your whole little morning hygiene routine. I was. I wanted to brush my teeth before going to the doctor's office. So, for those of you who don't know, Man Cub was born in a car because Cassie has very quick labor. And this is second child, and second children are supposed to come quicker, and girls are supposed to come quicker, right? Mm-hmm. So, we were like, you know, so we, we all knew we didn't have a lot of time once she went to labor. So, we hit the... We hit the Marco Polo thread. We notified the appropriate people. And then we were trying to leave. And then Cassie was doing random shit. <laughs> and then finally we got her out of the house. Uh, but I was really smart about putting a puppy pad down in the car. You were. I appreciate that. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I was, I was, I was although in labor, thinking very clearly. Was the thinking, oh, I have a baby in this car. I should probably put a puppy pad in it. <laughs> You know how, like, in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, when the whale is falling through the sky with the <laughs> potted plant, and it's like, I've been here before. <laughs> I was like, I've done this car thing before, and it didn't turn out so well. We should probably get a puppy pet. <laughs> but we made it to the hospital. We did. Well, and I was, you know, I was just, just taking a step back. You know, it's funny, because, like, the 6 a.m. thing, granted, none of us were thrilled about, but... I mean, I was fine. I was ready I was so ready. You were going to be fine whenever it was. (laughs) You know, it actually turned out to be really, to work out really well. Because, like, you had just gotten off work Mm -hmm. uh, on FMLA for maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And so, because I know you had a pretty big fear that, like, she was going to go into labor and you weren't even going to make it back from work before the baby. I was terrified. And it's not like, it's not like I have, you know, it's not like I have, like, an hour drive. I was just really paranoid because she was like... My last labor was like two hours, and I'm two like two and a half, and I'm like the next one's gonna be so much faster. What if I hit traffic? <laughs> so I'm really happy it, it worked out the way it did with timing. We got in the car and we moseyed over to the hospital, and we went I, to check in. And I was like, I mainly remember you checked in, and then I was trying to find coffee. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, when then, we checked in. So I was like, I, my water's broke. And she was like, okay, we're going to get somebody to come get you. And uh, you were like, cool, she can go back, but we need to come back soon. Well, they do. They do this thing. And, and it's, you know, they try and tell you it's so they're doing paperwork. And we've been to the birthing center a couple times now because of various stuff that happened when Cassie was pregnant. And what it really is, is they want to make sure that, like, everybody's safe, nobody's being abused, baby's going to be safe. And they want to do without everybody else back there, which makes a lot of sense. Also, it's not just abuse stuff. It's also they're asking if if the mother has um, any history of drug use or anything like that. Mm. So that way the baby could be treated and that, that could be kept confidential from, like, family members. Well, they don't want people to not say it because family's there and then the baby doesn't get the treatment they need. Yeah. Or say I had, you know, some kind of disease or something and they needed to take precautions for the baby. They don't want that kind of thing not being said. So it makes a lot of sense. Like, it, it, I, I don't at all fault that procedure. But it did get to a point where I told the lady that I was like, look, like, I, I get what you're doing. Like, it's cool. It makes sense. But um, if we miss this baby, I will be pissed. 
And so. the other thing is, like, to myself, I was like, listen, we've been here three times in the last, like, month and a half. Like, nothing has changed. You've asked us the, the same things. But they should. They should, to be fair. Yeah, they yes, should. they should. I'm just, I knew that her labor <laughs> was going to be quick. And I was not trying after not missing it because of driving home from work. I didn't want to miss it because I was not in the room because they wouldn't let me back there. So I guess you have to pick up because mainly this is the part where Amanda and I are standing in the waiting room and I'm really wondering if it's worth drinking this coffee with no sugar and no creamer. Which they're geniuses about because they have it in like a vending machine. So you have to buy the K-cups now, which is very smart, but also kind of messed up (laughs) for all the fathers in the birthing center. Well, but that's where the guests hang out. That's yeah. not where the, the families hang out for very long. So, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so they took me back, and again, the questions make sense. And I was like, I, I was like, all of the questions that you're going to ask me, the answer is no. I was just here on Friday. They haven't changed. But the thing that really started happening was they checked. They're like, your water is grossly ruptured. Which I was like, I feel like they should come up with a better medical term than grossly ruptured. I was like, it's not grossly ruptured. My 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 stuff is ruptured just as beautifully as it's supposed to be. Thank you very much. But uh, they sort of kind of were pushing for me to have an epidural. And you know, the first person came into the room and was like, you know, your water's already broke. Do you want to start your epidural? I'm like, no, I'm good. Then the next nurse came in and she's like, do you want an epidural? And I'm like, no, I'm good. And she's like, do you know what an epidural is? And I'm like, yes, I do. You don't want it. And she's like, it is pain relief. I'm like, I know that. And she's like, well, most women, you know, at this stage have an epidural. I'm like, great. I don't want one. Can I bring my partners back? And they're like, we're going to get to those questions here in just a minute, but we should probably start you on the epidural. And then the third nurse came in and she's like, you want an epidural, right? I have the needle here. They actually came into the room with the epidural ready to give me an epidural. You know, it's probably easier for them when women take the epidural. So there's a couple of things. And, you know, to be fair, once you start getting to a point where your contractions are really out of control, they can't do it because you're in pain and you're moving and stuff like that. And they got to put that thing in your spine. So they're like, at this point, your contractions are far enough apart that we can safely give you an epidural. And, and, you know, they warned me. They're like, if you go much longer, we're not going to be able to give this to you. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) This is part of my birthing plan. I don't plan on having one. And, you know, I chose that a long time ago when we were talking about my birthing plan and what I wanted to do, weighing the risks to the benefits of having one. And so they ate up a lot of time with the epidural uh, questions. Finally, uh, the nurse was like, okay, we're going to start on those personal questions. Is there anything that you need to tell us? And I was like, no, you guys have my history. My partners are welcome. All of those questions are no. Let's get them back here. And that's when I started going to the room and met up with you guys in the hallway. In the hallway. Yeah. We met up in the hallway, walking to the room. Amanda, you look lost. Were you so surprised that you don't remember this part? I... I, I Maybe. I think I was so excited that it's just kind of... She's like, I don't know. I was in the waiting room. Next thing I know, I was in the room. I didn't even know how I got there. <laughs> I no I idea like, how I got the there. <laughs> yeah, so they, they brought me back to the room. And in the process of being back there, they had put me in like a, a hospital gown because I had completely drenched my clothes and was making a mess of their whole area. Uh, with my, they have, I'm sure they're used to that. Yeah, they were very good about and it. And also, you know they're not the ones who clean it. Yeah, but I felt really bad. Like, I was sitting there trying to, like, wipe up the floor while I was getting stuff other places, and the nurse was like, please just go lay down. <laughs> like, please 
lay down. You know, I have to say, by the way, like just before you, our nurses there were fucking awesome. Pretty much every nurse that we dealt with, well, we'll talk about one. We have one who was a little like, but like even her, but like everyone we dealt with was fucking fantastic. Especially since we got to the room. Yeah. Down, down the triage well, I didn't area. Deal with them. Yeah, the, the people down in the triage were definitely a bit epidural pushy. But once we got up to our room, uh, only one of the nurses from downstairs in the triage followed us up, and she was actually amazing. Although, she still made a hilarious face when you said you wanted an epidural, and she didn't think you could see her because you couldn't see her, and I could see her. But <laughs> she had no She was face. fantastic. No. She was, was like, well, you were like, all these nurses think I, I'm crazy, and she was over there on the thing just like, Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, also, well, she was standing behind you, so you couldn't see her. But you said, "All oh, these nurses like I'm crazy, not one of the other girls." She was like shaking her head, like, 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 like big shock on her face, shaking her head. Yes, it was hilarious. Well, she kept telling me on the way walking up before I got to you, to the two of you. She was like, "You're having some really big contractions. Like they're really big contractions." And I was like, "I'm good." And she's like, "Really? <laughs> Are you really good?" So we got to the room, and Amanda was in there, and your other support person was there at that point. My stepmom. Your stepmom. They, because of the waiting time, they actually made it to the hospital before they let Amanda back back. You must have been, like, at least 20 minutes back there without us. And that's why I was, I was getting her, I was like, look, like, I get what you're doing, but, like, baby happens without us back there, I'm going to be pissed off. Like, she was in labor, like, she had her baby in a car. Oh, that was it. Amanda was like, she had her baby in the car the last time, okay? Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, so we, we went to the room and like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly no expert on birthing centers and shit, but like the place that was really nice, like the room, like they have like the rooms and it's like, you have the baby in the room, but then they like roll out all the medical equipment and it becomes like your suite while you're there. And it looks completely different. Like, like they turn it into like, they turn it from like medical place to like hotel room. Like, and there was, Okay. Can we talk about this picture that was on the Please wall? Please do. Oh my God. So they had this picture, okay? Like a framed picture that slid up and then underneath of it were a bunch of, it looks like outlets. It was outlets like bowels for the yeah. air and Bowls stuff. And, outlets. And, then... and the picture would slide right back down over top of it. Like some kind of like Batman safe. Like it was crazy. It was nuts. Yeah, a lot of the birthing centers are starting to do that kind of thing now where, uh, because they're trying to house baby with mom, uh-huh. they're uh, trying to make the rooms more hotel roomy like. Um, but we do actually have a very exceptional birthing center where we're, where we're fortunate in that yeah. way. Hospital is, is is okay overall, but the birthing center where that's pretty good. Um, but yes, yeah, so we got in there, so it was Amanda and I and your stepmom and. You changed. You know, I'm really sad that, you know, everything, I mean, really sad, strong, honestly, considering everything else that happened. But, like, you looked amazing in your in your, your dress that you wore. Like, you look super sexy. Like, and, like, pregnant women aren't even, like, my deal. Like, but you looked really awesome in that, that, uh... The, the, dress. Dra- the dress and the, like, you know, you have, like, the, the charm that somebody gave you for your, uh... For the baby shower, like the protection, like you looked very Amazon. You were definitely rocking the whole Amazon vibe in there. I'm sad we didn't really get a good picture of that. That was yeah. The only picture we have semi of that is my first, is is the push picture that my stepmother took. Yeah, I think we got two pictures. 
before the baby was there. Yeah, yeah we got two, which yeah, is a lot. It wasn't very long. <laughs> so, yeah, I changed into uh, the dress I wanted to give birth in, and... I had originally planned, you know, oh, while I'm in labor, I'm going to get on, like, my bouncy ball and and whatnot. And the two of you were talking about the bouncy ball, and I'm like, I don't need the bouncy ball. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I don't need the bouncy ball at this and point. And I, I remember you saying that. I remember you saying that. But then there was a nurse that was like, we have a bouncy ball if she wants a bouncy ball. This was later. And I was like, no, she brought her own because she wants her own. She was like, why don't you go ahead and blow that up? And I was like, okay. So I went and sat down and started blowing bouncy ball again without even remembering. And then you came back out and I was like, she doesn't want this. Like, what am I doing? Well, they suggested the beds that you could bend, bend over and like lean on the bed. So, yeah. Well, I mean, if it would have been a longer labor, I would have. But I kind of knew at that point, like I could feel pressure. I was like, this is. By the time you have that ball blown up, baby's going to be here kind of a thing. Pressure got really uh, a lot. Um, I had nurse check me. Nurse was like, that is definitely baby pressure. And they called the doctor up in the midst of all that. It was I. Who was a Steelers fan. So. (laughs) I think that bothered your stepmother more than you. Oh, my God. It It was the first thing I noticed when he walked in the room. I was like, he's got a Steelers lanyard. Why? Why would you have a Steelers lanyard? You don't mean she's going to be a Steelers fan. No, it does not. Are you sure? I'm positive. I would not do that to my child. I feel like we're going to lose a bunch of Steelers fans from our podcast. (laughs) You guys are okay. And nobody's perfect. It's okay. But anyway, he came in and he was the doctor that I had the whole conversation with. Um, And the way it works with my doctor's office is there's many doctors in one roof. So it's whoever's on staff at the time of birth. He happened to be the doctor who was also on staff that evening or morning. I think, Um, but really, we were already biased against everyone because we wanted our midwife is who we wanted and we didn't get her. So I feel like no matter what, I would have been a little bit disappointed no matter who it was yeah but more so with him because literally he came in the room and he was like okay you can push when you want to push like that <laughs> no, that wasn't how he started he started like see I told you I told you didn't need to worry about us inducing it was you know I, he was he came in there he was like really defensive I guess but based on the last conversation you had I was like dude like that's like a really unprofessional way to come in the room but he did his job well. He called a baby well for the, like the eight minutes he was in the room. So even I mean, though he I really complained can't about complain it, too much, huh? Even though he complained about it. <laughs> about which part? Uh, about, about the way she was laying. Yeah. He, yeah, he did. He did. He complained <laughs> he about it. But he also let you. The nurses were kind of like, "What?" So yeah. So I did not want to just give birth laying on my back. I had given birth to my son almost like on my knees in the backseat of a car and it was very much a comfortable position. So I was like, Such I was, an odd term to use for labor. It was a more comfortable position. And so I was like, when I was laying on my back and, and they were like, you can push. I was like, this is uncomfortable. I want to be in a different position. So I ended up having her with kind of being on my side and his reaction was like, this is going to make a mess. And we're all just like, Bruh, it's birth. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I I mean, uh, 
I'm not sure what you signed up for, but uh, the last time I checked, birthing is kind of a messy experience. Have I got some news for you? Oh man. my god! I, you know, one of my favorite parts of the whole thing though was after stuff was done, and what did he say about? He said something about like I can't imagine like how much pain that was being, but like he said it in a way where you could tell like he spent a considerable chunk of time being like. I can't imagine how much pain that must be. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was. I was just like, dude, you can tell he has spent a lot of time thinking about that. <laughs> like yeah, He said something about the, the level of pain and whatnot that women go through. It was, it was definitely one of those moments where you're like, you spend a lot of time looking at vaginas <laughs> with babies coming out of them and having this thought. Mm-hmm. This is the thought that you have is just like, how do women do this thing? But she yeah. had the baby. It was funny. Basically, like she got there. She changed. They were like, let's get the dog. And the dog came in. He's like, yeah, you, you can push when you're ready. And she pushed. And there was a baby. Like, you were three in labor for like two hours. Three pushes. Three pushes. One, two, three, boom. There she is. And was in labor for two hours. She beat her brother by a half hour. Yeah. So. So everybody can now be envious. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. No, but the nurses were fantastic. I mean, so baby happened. I don't know. What next? And she came out and you're stepmother snapped a bunch of amazing pictures of her and she looks like a little alien perfect and awesome rigel rigel we have some pictures of rigel like peeking over the the side of the bed because i had her laid on me while i did her checks and everything like we had everything done on delivery bed versus like her being taken out of the room or taken to the side of the room afterwards you know handing the baby off to what's the narration amanda to things uh, what was the narration for the photo? The narration for the photo? It was photos. So, there was a couple of them. Yeah, so you were leaning over and looking, and me and Cassie were both smiling at the baby, and you just had this strange face. And I was like, there should be little thought bubbles that are like, this looks like an alien. Does nobody else see that this looks like an alien? Are we not talking about the fact that this looks like an alien? And he's like shifting his eyes around, looking at us, looking at the baby, and looking back at us. <laughs> Well, and then was finally, right. Cassie was like, she looks like a little alien. He was like, thank God. <laughs> I'm not the only one that's thinking that. <laughs> no. Well, it's because I've dealt with a lot of babies, but I've never dealt with, like, newborn. Like, that Like, newborn. covered in goop. And- yeah, like, I have, yeah, I have, like, a ton of younger siblings, so I, I've dealt with a lot of babies. But, yeah, not that level of newborns. There was definitely – Amanda narrated my thought process reasonably well. Yeah, she had the vernix all over, and she was, like, laying on my chest, trying to lift her head, looking for lo- lo- looking for boobs already. Uh, my little monster. <laughs> so, uh <laughs> – yeah, no, but I mean, it went well. Nurses were great. Um, you got both of us supporting you while you were in labor for the very brief time you were in labor. It was great. I don't think we had any nurses that were like, who's the other person in your hospital room? Like, we didn't have any nurses that were like, like... They haven't been filling each other in. Well, yeah, but there was no judgment on their faces except for that one. There was. <laughs> it was very like, okay, this is fine. Everything's fine. So I had it sent over, um, and, and you know, part of this whole podcast is also kind of an educational experience. So I'm going to give everybody who's listening a few tips if you do have a situation where you have a multi-parent polycule situation. One is, you know, double-check with your hospital what the, like, standards are. The standard at our hospital is three people who are support people. It doesn't matter who they are. They could be your friend, your family mother, your mother, your cousin, or your bestie, right? But we knew we could have three people in the room. 
The other thing is, is that, you know, if there was a C-section, you're only allowed to have one person. It has nothing to do with the dynamics of your polyamory. It is only one person's allowed in the surgical room. So knowing that information is really important. So that way you can then advocate for yourself. You can say to your doctors, look, these are the people who are going to be in my room and this is who they are. And I made it very known, you know, upfront when I started talking to the birthing center, when we first went to our doctor's appointment, that both Amanda and Rigel were parents and that they were going to be there and kind of dictated that expectation of how they were going to be treated in that experience. You know, and I find in general that even me, like even as long as we've all been doing this and as open as we are about things, like it's still shocking to me a lot of times how much people just don't fucking care. Like, or if they do care, they keep that shit to themselves, which either way, I don't really care. Mm. But yeah, no, they were very, but it was funny. Yeah. So like, yeah, you can have three in the, in the room and then one in a C-section and we had the whole discussion like, well, who's going to go in if it's a C-section? And we were like, Literally, that conversation boiled down to Josh because Amanda might pass out, which you didn't pass out during birth. I didn't. And I'm I, so proud of you. I didn't think I was going to, but I didn't want to. Did you look, though? I mean, I looked at the baby. I mean, I didn't. Listen, okay? I didn't want to leave Cassie in a position where she had one support person and there was a possibility that that support person wasn't able to support her. Because that support person ain't so good with blood. I, I'm not always, that's, I'm usually okay with blood. I'm usually fine with blood. But you are way better in a crisis than I am and I know that. <laughs> so I didn't want to, I didn't want to well, put Cassie out. It was funny because like, you know, we cut the, the umbilical cord twice and I cut it the first time. And the second time, I was like, oh, this is, like, a great poly moment. Like, we can both have gotten to cut the cord. And I was like, no. Mm-mm. No, I'm good. Like, but are you sure? And she's like, no. Like, okay. <laughs> Let's cut it again. I was not. I was not feeling that. <laughs> no? No. Although, I have to say, speaking of blood, I don't know if you were watching. I was. But... That was so funny when Cassie was like, she was like, afterwards, she's like, so can I see my placenta? And the doctor's like, and again, very, he was very professional at doing what he did, but he was like, he was like, fine. Like I just grudgingly like picked it up in the air and splattered blood everywhere. And Cassie was like, thanks. And it was just, you like, you like begrudgingly lifted the placenta and splattered blood. Like <laughs> I had a moment of like crazy hippie voodoo chick. Why the heck do you need to see your placenta? I was curious. You should have been like, Okay, now can I eat it? <laughs> no, I don't need to eat it. See, Just I, to fuck with him. I didn't get to see my placenta after, you know, the teenager was born. I did get to see his umbilical cord, which was really cool. Like, his was very, like, perfectly spiraled. Hers was all kinds of jacked up. She must have been doing some, like, crazy She was. She, gymnastics she moved tw- the 24-7. Yeah. yeah. The, the teenager, when his came out, was, like, perfectly spiraled and everything. And hers was, like, all over the place. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, here, <laughs> here, look at it. So, um, I really can't impart in words. <laughs> Were you watching when he did that? Yeah. It was so funny. <laughs> like, look at like blood, and they're just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then, and then he left. Yeah. And then he left. It was great. He was in the room like 10 minutes, like. Three pushes, yeah. He did his job. He did his job. Begrudgingly. He he did his job. He begrudgingly did things that were outside of his norm. Yeah, there you go. Um, I I, I think part of it is he's an older doctor, and you can tell he's like, I've catched 
like thousands of babies. I do this in my sleep. This is my standard. Why are you messing with my standard? Why are you not um, on your back with an epidural? Yeah. Well, like, and what is let wrong me, with you? Really quick. Let me backtrack to uh, a few days before we were in his doctor's office and we were talking about how he didn't want to do C-sections. And we asked him what his rate of C-sections were. And he said to us, for a woman like you, 17%, which is not the question we asked. But when we left, Cassie looked at me and she said, did you see all the pictures on his desk? It was about six pictures of C-sections. <laughs> no, no pictures of vaginal births, all C-sections. I just thought that was really funny. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so he did his job. And then afterwards, you know, going back to what you were saying as far as like the nurses and everything, you know, part of it was we had given them, or at least I had given them a bit of a background of like, who was in my room and who was going to be taking part. But they were really, really cooperative and awesome. Like Amanda had the second parent ban for the baby. You know, they give two, they give one to the birthing parent and, and one to someone else. They had baby Lojack. So you can't... Baby Lojack. You couldn't leave the... For those uh, who had not had a baby in a while, they, they strap a box on the baby's foot. And if you get anywhere near the doors, it locks the unit down, sets off alarms... And you can't take the box off without it setting off alarms. So that's interesting. Yeah, the little one kicked hers off and the chick had to come down and they had a security guard with her. She was like, it's just standard procedure. Wait, 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 wait. Was that? That's what that fucking alarm was. No, I had her when that alarm was going off. So no, that was something else. No, you guys were asleep when, when she set it off because she was like, hey, I just have to fix her thing. It's standard procedure. And by the door is like the security guard that you could tell was like, this happens 12 times a night. Baby kicks <laughs> off their low jack. In the middle of Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, they came in and adjusted her thing and, and all of that. So she, she came super early in the morning, and that day... We made a mistake. We, we did make a mistake. We made a little bit of a mistake. So we were like, sure, it's early in the day. We can have visitors. And All day. We ended and up most having, of the night. Yeah, so we ended up having visitors from... Because I wanted the first, like, two hours just I said she didn't hit her bassinet until, like... So she was born early in the morning... She didn't hit her bassinet, like, out of somebody's arms until, like, 10.30. And even then, she was only in for, like, 30 minutes, and she was out again for a while. Yeah. So, we had lots of visitors. Um, Too many visitors. Folks, and it's funny, because my mom told you this, and we didn't yeah. listen. Go ahead. Not saying your mother is normally the person that I would ever give our listeners, po- like, like our listeners advice from. Um, but to be fair, she has had six biological children so she's she's been through it was you know she mentioned you know when you have the baby you might want to just take the first day have just the the people who are like you know your closest people but rest and even that we didn't have anybody who wasn't particularly close yeah and it was still visitors from so i also think that this is partially a polycule problem <laughs> the little one has you know at this point several sets of grandparents uh, has, you know, I mean, you're one of nine siblings. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Rigel has, is, is one of nine. I think the, the thing is, is that also that's just a polycule kid problem is that everybody that showed up was close. 
but we did have a lot of people and it got to be a bit hectic and we were really, really exhausted by the time everybody was gone. Well, other people were super helpful. Yeah. People brought, it's good to have family and partners and all the things. Yes. People brought coffee and... And I got to have sweets because uh, after... Oh my God, I can't believe you didn't make yourself sick. I was so happy. I had a smoothie oh. and a chai and a donut. Uh, we have pictures <laughs> of me feeding you a donut uh, right after... And a croissant sandwich. And a croissant sandwich. And right another croissant sandwich. <laughs> no, she ate the second one on her own. But the the definitely the donut picture is one of my favorite pictures of me, of you biting it from my hands while you're still laying in the hospital bed. It was great. We had a lot of helping hands and everything, so we're definitely very grateful and... Uh, appreciative, but also we, we probably maybe really, should have spread it out a touch more. Yeah, than we did. and then the next day, uh, we actually came home. Uh, the next God, day, I can't believe we only spent one night there. Yeah, that felt like we were there. Well, do you know so, why? So, do you know why? Because cumulatively, we all got like two and a half hours of sleep. That's why it felt like forever because it was forever. Well, and we were there early morning to evening, <laughs> yeah. early morning one day to evening the next. Even though we were only there one night. You know, God, I could have sworn. It's so funny because thinking about it, I could swear we were there two nights. Like, I remember walking that baby around the hall for two nights. And I know it wasn't two nights, but I swear to God, I remember walking that baby around the hall for two nights while we were trying to swap out for sleep. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Well, part of that is because... We spent a good chunk of the day, the second day, trying to sleep, and it was kind of like night because most of us yeah. slept. And then, like, you know, during the day, everybody's coming in, like, food people and... And I have to say, man, daytime nurses are completely different than nighttime nurses With that, when it comes to that. Like, that nurse that came in, like, the next day, like, you could tell, like, Roger was trying to sleep, and she came in like... Hey guys, how you doing? Like talking like super loud, like she didn't take my disgruntled noises as a hint. Yeah, the nighttime nurses are like, "Hi, we've got to take the temperature, baby. Sorry." Daytime nurses be like, "Hey, let's take the temperature. You want your dinner later?" <laughs> totally different uh, attitude. And then that was actually the point where we actually only had our only nurse who was kind of like. Um, was, uh, you know, the nurse came in and we were talking and we were discussing that Amanda was going to be nursing as well. And you could tell there was definitely like a, this is weird. I don't have a cross around my neck. And then she didn't look at me. Yeah. The whole time she was talking, she just didn't look at me anymore. (laughs) And I was like, that's one way to handle it. (laughs) Um, but she kind of pulled herself back together after our, and I, I, and I, she was good with the baby. She was very good with the baby. And what I will say is I have to give credit because the midwife that we had talked about earlier, who I wanted to deliver my baby, actually was working the next day. She showed up when I was outside of the room with the baby in the bassinet, and she was so excited to see me. <laughs> and she came in, and she looked at Cassie, and she said, you had the baby without me. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And uh, so she talked with us a little bit. And I think that, like, the midwife who knew our situation had seen Amanda at the visits that we went to the doctor's office. I went to almost all of your doctor's appointments. You went to more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like probably the midwife probably normalized it a little bit for the nurse. Yeah. And I felt like there was definitely a shift after the midwife was talking to her 
where it was like, oh, okay, it's not just some <sighs> weird, weird people. And this gets back to, I think, a teachable moment for people, right? Which is, you know, part of everybody, every, people always wonder, like, you know, I was having a discussion about the fact that we very rarely have problems. And part of that is because we, A, I mean, we're, we're upfront about stuff, but B, partially because we're so upfront and we have a tendency to cut people out of our lives who are intolerant, the thing is, is that we're constantly surrounded by people who treat stuff as okay, right? So, like, and I think that's part of, I think that's that, that's what with that, that kind of religious nurse, that, that whole thing that normalizes it for her is you have the midwife acting like it's normal. You have all the other nurses acting like it's normal. You have all the visitors that we had, including family, acting like it's normal. So, so really, she was the odd one out. Right, exactly. Yeah. And no, but, you know, I think that's a really powerful thing. And not just not just talking about the baby situation, but in general, like, you know, I've seen that happen so many times where you bring somebody who's, like, iffy and hesitant and that kind of stuff about stuff like that and surround them with people who are okay, and it normalizes it. And they don't really, like you said, then they're the weird one, right? They're the intolerant one. They're the strange one. And it's, it's just interesting how that works. But on the flip side of that, there's also this recognizing when we're not being discriminated against. I think a lot of us, a lot of a lot of poly folk, a lot of, uh, you know, whether it's poly folk or, or kinky folk or whatever, we have a tendency to be like, oh, everybody's judging us. And it's the mighty duck syndrome. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Where where everybody is is discriminating and everybody's out to get you. And I'm not saying that there is not legitimate things that happen with that. But I could have easily been like, if my, our hospital only allowed two people in the room, to say, oh, they're trying to discriminate by only allowing two people. Or you could have done that with a C-section. Or you could have done that when they only gave out two bands. Or or when the nursing consultant came in. And the I'm, lactation I'm, consultant. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the lactation consultant. The nursing the, nurse, as it were. The nursing nurse, yeah. She came in, and you could tell that when she found out both of us were nursing, that that was not something she was used to. That was not something that she had uh, a whole lot of background to. But she did some research. She came in with facts, you know, about, you know, how different the breast milk would be. And she's like, you know, I have to be honest. You know, these are things that you know, that are risks, you know, it is a bodily fluid. Anybody who's feeding the baby can transmit things. So she spoke a lot in facts and so did the pediatrician who came in. But when she came in, one of the things that she said is, I can't give lactation advice to anybody but the admitted patient, right? And that could have been very much a a spot where I could be like, oh, discrimination. But really the honest thing is, is, that's probably true. You know, yeah, I am worried about her liability. Yeah. And she did a lot of talking in general <laughs> terms yes. while looking at both of you. Yeah. So, so she, she did a lot of like, you know, generally speaking, this is an idea that you might want to incorporate. So that way, you know, Amanda was getting some knowledge. But as far as actual consulting, I was the only one that she could actually consult. And so and she also gave us resources to connect with people, not inpatient, yep. which was kind of her whole deal. Yeah. So it was funny because you could tell she was a tad uncomfortable, but she handled it fine. Very professional. And, and kind of what I was saying with this is like, so when you're in situations like that, before you're like getting all uppity about things, 
consider whether or not the person is really actually trying to help you and what liabilities they have and things like that. Because I think that that's definitely a situation that could have gone that way. Okay, why don't we take a couple minutes and talk about like what we learned or what surprised us or I don't know, whatever, from the hospital. And we can talk about, I guess, kind of the week since then. Yeah. Amanda, you go. Ladies first. <laughs> the whole thing was very... I don't know what surprised me. I can't even I can't even say one thing that surprised me. It was very uh it was a very surreal experience. So it's hard to just pick out one or two things. I I I'm still just I'm I'm still just shocked that like all the nurses we had were amazing. Like I'm still just kind of like I feel very non-discriminated against. Like being the out partner. Being the one, being the partner who's, you know, obviously not the father of the baby. <laughs> like so that that was very it's not what I was expecting. I was expecting a lot more pushback from people and I was wrong. I mean, even down to the fact that they came into the room and one of the nurses made made hats for babies and they let one of the you know, they let the mother pick a hat um, to take your baby home in. They're like the little is it crochet? The little crocheted hats that grandmas make for babies. Yeah, one of the nurses does that and you know, you can pick a hat to take your baby home in. And because we had two moms, she actually let Amanda yeah. pick a hat, too. So we actually got to get two hats for our baby. So even down to things like that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you learn? What did I learn? Man, I was like, I'm sleep deprived and putting on spot, asshole. Oh, I'm also here holding the baby. What did I learn? I learned that Cassie is a fucking Amazon warrior. <laughs> ah, you tell him, baby. From everything I've ever seen, she did not um, seem like a woman in labor. Like she was, there was, there wasn't all that crazy screaming and crying and all of that. It was a little screaming. But yeah, very but it, little. It was nothing like it was nothing like I was expecting it to be. Okay. So I learned that. Oh, she's okay. 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 Like a lot of that. <laughs> Which there was, was a sign. Okay. Yeah, it was. There was a sign in the in the in the room and it had and it said it's okay to ask people to wash their hands and like so that's all we were seeing when she would say okay 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 who was it that was looking at the sign? Was it you that was looking at the sign? Your stepmother? My stepmother took a picture of the sign. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was right it was right across from the bed, so it's like the first thing you see. Okay, it's okay. Some good fellowship, or that's the word, that's the sign you saw. <laughs> just, or no, is it present word? It doesn't matter. Anyways. Okay. What about you, Cassie? What about you? You go. What surprised me and what did I learn? I might defer on what surprised me because it might be what surprised you. I, I do, it did the level of tolerance. On the one hand, it did kind of surprise me. On the other hand, I shouldn't be surprised anymore. Like I said, like, it's really, I really found that, like, when people just show up and treat shit as normal... You don't get much pushback. If for no other reason than people don't like to be confrontational. Surprise me how fast that room turned into a, not a medical room. That was surprising. <laughs> well, like I said, the thing about uh, limiting the amount of guests uh, is, is definitely something that I learned. That was not a mistake I'd make again. Although, like, in retrospect, I also don't know who we had come over that first day that I wouldn't have had come over. So... Man, I don't even know, honestly. I know I posed the question. Now I'm kind of blanking on it. I don't know. You go and we'll see. I'll see if anything else comes to me. Um, I'll start with what I learned. Uh, what I learned is 
it's really great to have a plan, you know, like in, as, as a birthing plan. But like it's great to have a plan, but with flexibility, like knowing that it, not everything is going to go exactly the way that you planned it. Although for me, most most of it did go exactly the way I wanted. So I'm really happy about that. But having having prepared yourself going in and being like, these are the decisions that I want to make, even in a bad situation and having the ability that while stuff was going on, I knew the two of you had it covered. Like, you know, down to like when I was in labor and they wanted me to sign papers to not drink coffee over top of a baby and stuff like that. Like knowing that that stuff's already handled by my partners was a big deal. And it was something I prepared myself for, but I really learned the difference of that versus when I had my son years ago where I hadn't made any of those choices and I was having to like on the spot, you know, make decisions like, does the baby get a vitamin K shot? Do I want to do this or do that? So I, I learned that going in prepared made a very big difference in the whole birthing experience. So what surprised you? And then I'll actually, I, 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 you, you've jostled some stuff for me too. Surprises. I had a couple. So the first one was how awesome I felt having the both of you there. Like I knew I wanted you there. Like that was a given, but you know, right before pushing time, like I got to hold Rigel's hand and Amanda was helping to hold my leg back. And there was uh, such a feeling of support and love that I was not, I was very like overwhelmed in the moment when the baby was born. I was just like, this is amazing. So <laughs> we got a great picture of that. We did. Oh my goodness. But for me, that was, that was a, a big surprise. Not like I didn't know you would be there and not like, I didn't know that it was going to be awesome to have you guys there, but the feeling that was really amazing for me. Other things that surprised me. I mean, there's the big one, <laughs> which was your reaction. As, as many of the listeners know, this was not something that you were overly excited about in the beginning, but uh, your reaction to her and helping out and caring while we were at the hospital and, and everything else uh, was, a, was a big shock. I would say even more so coming home. I would, I would say what has been surprising after coming home. So, yeah. Those are so what do you things. mean my reaction to her? Um, well, you're going to put me on the spot. Why are you putting me on the spot? So, first of all, I told Amanda, like, when you took her and finally, like, held her, like, you've never looked at anybody like that before. So, uh, there was that. And how, from the point that she was born on, you've been so involved and, uh, taken a part in in taking care of her I mean the first night when she was you know not sleeping good because she was like cluster feeding and all that you know you took her out and you strolled her through the hallways and and yeah that was my biggest surprise so I was leaving that for you I know nobody's been more surprised than me (laughs) um I mean it's the same thing to me actually so something I don't want to say surprising maybe but I guess maybe more than anything, a good reminder is the amount of support that we had through this and the baby. I mean, first off, we're fortunate that there's three of us, which I think we're going to talk a little bit about since we've been home. Right. But, you know, at the hospital and since we've been home, obviously, that makes things easier. 
but the level of support, you know, like we have a, a pretty big network of family and friends and partners and, but, and, and you know, you kind of know that, but actually seeing it all come together, you know, like it was funny. Like we had people calling, like, what do you mean at the hospital? Like, we don't need anything else. Like everybody who's been here has already brought all the things that we need. Like we don't, you know, even since we've been home between food and like, and not just food, but, like, and, and food and like, you know, even people, it's funny. I mean, even in, especially now with life getting created, we have more people willing to help out with her than we have even taken advantage of, you know, um, that's been really cool to watch. Like I said, because it's you kind of know it and you kind of realize, but you don't really. You I, don't you don't see it until it's all in action. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was kind of like a beautiful, like almost a, a dance that like all of our people were doing. Like my bestie got to the hospital and she was kind of like wrangling people and. What was your and, stepmom like? It was us. So you had your partners, then your 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 parents got there, right? And then your bestie got there, and like. You know, that, those, they were all there for the birth and they came in and then one of our partners came and brought coffee and stuff and... And brought me pink drink. And brought brought Amanda pink drink yeah. and and it was just like one after the end and then my, my, my family got there at some point and we were... And it was my, just, my dad went back and got the kid so he could come see yeah, his sister. Yeah, it was just a really cool, like you said, really cool dance and really cool, just, just like I said, love support has been really really neat and I mean like I said even we, we even have with kind of the craziness right now and not necessarily wanting a bunch of people around new baby with the craziness going on like you know we, we have even way more way more support than we've been able to take advantage of really so that 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 was that was pretty cool to me I wouldn't say surprising but it, it, it is different when you actually see it all come together versus just kind of having this nebulous idea that it's there you know what I mean so that's that was pretty cool. So, do we want to talk about since we've been home at all, or? Sure. Well, I, I, now that we're here, uh-huh. I do have another thing I learned, but it's when I came home. Okay. If you are going to get anything for a family that just had an infant, get them freaking edible arrangements instead of flowers. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> edible arrangements, you can eat it. Versus flowers. When you asked me earlier, is something that you learned? That's all I could think about. And I was like, well, I can't say that yet. That hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah, so some of my people sent an edible arrangement. We already had a couple, like, flower bouquets, right? And, and we're like, cool, we got flowers. I mean, and it was cool. You know, my family actually got us the our wedding flowers, which is cool. And anyways, but the flowers were cool. But then, like, it was a weird combination of strangely thoughtful and strangely toned deaf at the same time but so we had a couple flowers and then some of my people said edible arrangement and we crushed half of that thing before it it even came out of the box we took selfies of us eating it (laughs) like ravenous creatures (laughs) that was so good uh yeah so i mean so we came home and we've been Kind of, I don't know. We're kind of trying to settle in. It's definitely cool having three hands. Three, yeah. Six hands? Six hands. Six, six hands, hands, three people. Yeah. Yeah. Even, like, my work, like, I thought it was really funny. Like, before I left for FMLA, and instead of, like, 
this idea that, oh, I'm the weird one in this weird relationship, it suddenly shifted to, we're so jealous that you have three people to help with an infant. And I was like, yeah, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I jokingly said to, to some non-poly folks that I know uh, just earlier this morning, I was like, yeah, you know, if you're going to have babies, you know, I highly recommend having more than two adults. Um, and they cracked up. I was like, it's, it's been, it's been very different. Um, so I can't imagine that's a discussion that we've had. And I knew you, you had a little support when you had the youngest one, but not much, right? The oldest one? The oldest one. Yeah. Well, when he I was did. youngest at the time. Yeah. Anyways, you know, <laughs> but I, I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's enough work with three people and all the extra support that we have. Like, I can't imagine. I, I mean, my, my, my respect goes out to anybody who, who's done this with a lot less support because Jesus Christ, man. And she's a pretty well-temperamented child on top of it all. So, like, you know, between her having a good temperament, there being three adults in the house, one teenager in the house, and a whole shit ton of extra support that we've got, it's still a lot of work. I can't, I can't imagine. Seriously. Like, we're, we're fortunate enough that it's, we're, you know, able to do it while not having, it hasn't, hasn't stopped us dead in our tracks with other stuff in our lives. Again, that's with three adults and with all the other support we've got along the way with it as well. So, I don't know. Do we want to talk about anything since we've been home? I feel like it's mainly just been... I've been healing. I feel like healing. I'm looking good. You're looking damn good. I, uh, I mean, I, I thought she's looking damn good. You look great, baby. Thank you. She just I, wants to hold your hand so hard right now. <laughs> you look so good, I want to call you Frankie Mermaid. Um, oh, my God. Why, you ask? Because you're swimming in bitches. <laughs> if nobody here has seen the movie Velocipaster. Don't. Dumb. <laughs> it is so bad. dumb. It so is bad. so dumb. We didn't finish it, but we were all we up. The start of it. We were all up at like eleven thirty at night, out in the living room, like let's watch this stupid movie. <laughs> it was so bad, and it was so. My bad. coach just told me I need to watch more comedies. Okay. Um, yeah. I think you should watch some good comedy. We're trying to support you. By watching stupid But you did get that Frankie Mermaid line. One yes. thing, one good thing came of that movie, and that was Frankie Mermaid, Swimming in Bitches. <laughs> why, did they, why did they call me Frankie Mermaid? Because you're swimming in bitches. <laughs> wow. So anyway. Um, By the way, anybody wants to use that line on Gassy, please do. Because. I'm going to call myself Cassie Mermaid. Oh my God. Um, it goes with the hair. It, it goes with the hair. It goes with my fetish. Like it's a, it, it, it works so many, so many layers. I've been physically doing a lot better getting back to my normal non-rounded belly self, which is awesome. Belly's gone down. Tits have gone up. Yeah. Boobs are, boobs are crazy right now with nursing. So that's, that's great. <laughs> You're looking damn good. Thanks. Seriously. Uh, downside is, you know, with postpartum and, and vaginal delivery, you, you can't have sex for Usually six weeks. Um, I try to make my doctor's appointment a little earlier so they can check me out and maybe give me like a... How you doing, Cassie? Pass. I have not gone fu- fully insane yet. I have definitely woken up several times starting to masturbate in the morning and being like, no, that is not what I'm supposed to be doing. There is no insertion. I'm doing okay. Just trying to be distracted. Yeah, I'm doing all right. So sad. <laughs> so that's been rough. If Rigel doesn't pop back up on, like, the podcast and he disappeared, 
where did he go? Where where did where where did we where 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 did where did Rigel go? Uh, Mike went there, you know, oh, for Breaking Bad uh, and Belize. 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 Um, he's in Belize. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, that's to be continued. So that sucks. Uh, other than that, uh, I feel like it's been pretty good. I think that uh, we're definitely finding an interesting groove of co-parenting and finding different roles and times that work best. We're um, still working out some kinks with that. Uh, oh, yeah. But I feel like all in all... For being a week, we're all still sleep-deprived. I'm less sleep-deprived, I think, than anybody here. And I'm still sleep-deprived. I'm, I'm getting to be okay. Really? I'm getting to be okay. We I got six hours last night. Better. I got six hours of sleep last night. We need to arrange stuff a little better. Yeah. I'm, I'm catching up. I'm doing better. It's definitely been good. Um, I think it's awesome that you take her in the mornings and do your morning stuff. Yeah, although she she was all over the place this morning. We're going to have to <laughs> have to sort that a little bit. Well, her schedule was off today. We've discovered that boba wraps are great. Well, it's there's all different kinds of wraps. Moby, boba, whatever. Yeah, but I've got the Moby. Yeah. They're, they're pretty, pretty awesome. Rigel loves them. Yeah. Well, she just sleeps. <laughs> and you have your hands free. So he is rap man. Um, something else that's been interesting is watching Man Cub with her. Um, I'm so sad you missed her throwing up on him for the first time the other day. It's <laughs> yeah, so evidently she projectile vomit on, on she She spit up some. Projectile <laughs> vomit is really strong. Going by the teenager, going by the teenager, you would have okay, thought. Okay, but he's that also was, an angsty teenager. Yeah, you would have thought that it was like something out of like Ghostbusters where like the. Slime room, slime room. It up a little bit. It, it, it's funny because you can tell he, even though he's interacted with our partner's younger children and stuff like that, he's never dealt with a tiny infant before. So he's like incredibly intimidated uh, to like hold her and stuff like that. But he's he's been curious and he's been helping and uh, that's been cool. Anything else? Uh, we learned that babies can't tell the difference, right? Oh, <laughs> somebody else can tell that story. <laughs> it, well. So, so the thing is, is that, you know, with the little one, we are currently, you know, I'm nursing, Amanda's nursing some. Also, we've done some bottle feeding. We're trying to make sure that multiple people can this feed her. This was before she had bottle fed, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the first couple of days, you know, was exclusively breastfeeding. So that way she wasn't getting too confused with plastic being thrown in there. She already had two different kinds of nipples. Yeah. So, so she's, she's, she's had a, a variety of things. But uh, Rigel had taken her and was... You really just have to tell the story how it happened from your side of it. Well, my side was I'm in the bathroom. I'm trying to get a soaks bath in. You know, I'm trying to soak much up. I better from Amanda's side. Um, Amanda wasn't in the bathroom. (laughs) I was in the bathroom. Amanda, from your side then. Where was I? I wasn't near either one of you. I was like in the doorway of the bathroom. And I think... I was maybe talking to Cassie. I don't know. You were getting my bottle for me. I was getting your bottle for you and filling it up with water. And all I heard was Rigel say, babies don't know the difference. (laughs) Which I automatically knew what that meant. But I had to look over just to be sure. And she was doing some tummy time skin to skin. And she definitely, she thought she found a food source. (laughs) It was not, though. She was sadly mistaken. And Rigel was... Shocked. Yeah, I was surprised. That's all I heard was babies don't know the difference. <laughs> well, because the, the lactation person said that at the hospital, right? Like, somebody did. Was lactation consultant? Probably. I think so, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but she, yeah, babies really can't tell the difference. 
So I know that I didn't hold her shirt as if she's hungry. Yeah. So that's something else I learned. So there you go. Just, we're just swimming in good advice today. Okay, so for poly folks with babies at the hospital, would we, anything we'd suggest? Going back to the birth plan thing, how I said having a plan but being flexible, I think works the same way with coming home. Mm-hmm. She's still little. We're mm-hmm. still figuring out a, a schedule and a routine and things like that. But having some ideas going into it of like, how are we going to handle uh, certain situations? How are we going to swap out? I think, you know, and this is just something that we've learned since having her is having some shifts, having some trade-offs is really important. So that way, no one person is kind of monopolizing on sleep and peace and other people aren't to kind of give, give everybody a little bit of a break. Figure um, out a schedule. Where you can alternate some. Yeah, which with being flexible because infants, you know, change times and things like that. But having some sort of idea of, like, how you're doing that. I'll throw a couple other things out. Um, I think number one, and, and this is going to be really dependent on your situation, but I think when you have multiple adults, maybe having it so that everybody's not sleeping in the room with the baby every night. Try to make sure you're still getting some quality time in with each other. I mean, if, and if you're poly, right, well, or at least if you're in a group poly situation, right, but, or if you've got other support or whatever, but, like, trade off, like, we had, we, we've had, well, we've been fortunate enough to have people who often come and watch the baby so we can sleep, which, by the way, you want to talk about a great gift to give to new parents, offering to watch the baby so people can sleep is fantastic. And food. Food's definitely good. Dude, I killed that chicken parm. Oh, my God. That was going to be one of my things. Though. I have a thing, too. Go ahead. I think it's yours. I was going to say, if you have not yet had the baby, if you are pregnant, if you are thinking of having a baby, a couple weeks before the baby is supposed to be there, make some damn freezer meals. Clear some space out in your freezer. Get a bunch of dollar store, BJ's, Costco, whatever it is, those big pans that you can cook things in with the tinfoil lids. Make a shit ton of freezer meals. We made... Uh, two pans of enchiladas lasted us four days. Oh, my God. They were so good. It was the first meal that we really ate when we got back, and they were just fucking banging. Made two of those. We made two pans of lasagna, which right now are stuck together. <laughs> I'm trying to work on... <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm trying to work on getting them not to be they, stuck they together. together. I might just take the lid off of one and leave it, but then there's going to be frozen cheese on the bottom of the... Whatever. Doesn't matter. Made two of those. What else did we make? Uh, our other... Uh, Peppers. Partner brought over uh, that chicken parm, which she made in the same fashion in the big, huge. I like, lived was off like, that for like four days. It was like twelve servings. It was like twelve servings in there. Yeah, and we did stuffed peppers. Stuffed peppers. Like, we did a pan of stuffed peppers, and then we did separate little baggies of stuffed peppers. So you could just take one out. Rigel didn't know that we had made separate baggies of stuffed peppers, so he went at it with a knife, using it as a chisel to chisel out one of the frozen peppers from the big pan. It just fine, thank you. <laughs> as opposed to grabbing one out of the singular bag. So that was fun. But definitely fun. do that. Look at all the fun we're Look having. Look at all the fun we're having. Um, but that'll save you time, and it'll maybe a quick dinner, pop it in the oven 45 minutes, and then you're set for a few days with leftovers. So while you're dying from sleep deprivation, you'll have food. And when people say, what can I bring you? Say, food. Bring me food. Don't be shy. If somebody asks you what they can do for you, be honest with them. Don't be like, oh, nothing, when actually you have no food in your fucking fridge. Like, 
Take people up. You're too tired to make what you do have. Take people up on what they're offering. She stole mine. I was going to say meal prep because Mm -hmm. that that has been a big thing uh, with me healing and being exhausted is actually having food made that I know I'm going to eat that, you know, isn't something that is super hard to get other people to talk about. You're talking about food. You can tell it's getting later in the day. Hold on, wait. No, you don't. Oh my God. Speaking of. Get yourself some goddamn sloppy Joe mix because that's what we're having tonight for dinner. And I've been hyped about it for five days. Get sloppy Joe mix. Comes in a can. Super easy. So, yeah. Easy dinner. And like I said, make sure that you're still making time, right? We've we managed to do it even for the three of us. Yeah. But then also, I mean, like like last night we had a date night. Like we had We had somebody watch Baby. And then... You know, like we've we've traded off like who's watching babies so other people can do whatever. So definitely do that. Take take I guess kind of the gist of what we're saying is don't be shy, take advantage of the support that people are offering you. Because you're gonna need it. And yeah, that's it's been and we still haven't even taken advantage of all the support we've been offered. So that's when I know we had somebody the other day send a message. I was like, look, like I know you're restricting who's seeing baby right now and coming in the house with everything going on, but like I can just drop stuff off on your porch. That was very so, nice of you. That was so sweet. That was so sweet. But I know how far away they live. And <laughs> <laughs> working on supplies right yeah. now. So But yeah, anything else, folks? I think No. I take advantage so. of having all the people. Like, if you live in a group situation or even not a group situation, but your partners are involved in your lives, like, take advantage of having multiple people. Like, it, it's, you know, swap off. Like, I mean. <laughs> I'm be cliche and say, like, it is polyamory for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be corny, but, like, we're, we're talking about multiple loves. Like, enjoy the people who love you and are who you're going to love your child and, you know, <laughs> use that to your advantage. Like... Not in a bad way, but, you know, use that as a good way to support yourself, to support your other relationships, to support your kid. Like, take that and make sure that you're, you know, one of the great things about the relationships that we are able to create on our own, kind of like our own uh, designer relationships, right? Yeah, on our own terms is, you know, we get to have these people in our lives on our own terms and have our, our chosen families and the great thing about that is that we can take advantage of it. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where we're going right now. I think that's what we're, yeah, I think that's it for the day. I can't think of a better note to end on than that. Can you, Amanda? Sloppy Joe's. So we need to eat some sloppy Joe's before Amanda <laughs> stabs somebody with this baby nail file. Uh, she's she's holding and gradually getting more aggressive with. So, all right, everybody. But it's been fantastic talking. That's where we've been at. And, uh, yeah, a lot going on. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.